0: For now, let's start the conversation.
1: All right, welcome back. We're at uh, IMAX, it's day two. Uh, Ryan is sitting across from me. Ryan, you are a familiar voice on our podcast because exactly one year ago, uh, Ryan Hill and I met right here in Las Vegas at IMAX uh, in uh, IMAX America. Uh, and I remember we spoke about the horizons of change and everything that's going on not just in the industry, but also with you personally. Now, for those of you that have not checked out that episode, you might want to listen to it before we do the Year Plus One podcast. My name is Rudy Janssen, and I'm the host for the podcast today. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank
2: you. I'm honored to be back.
1: Awesome. Um, so, Ryan Hill, <coughs> amongst other things, is is, is is an alumni of the College of Extraordinary Experiences, which is how we got connected through Tahira Andian, I think, uh, mm-hmm. who does the instructional programming. Uh, if, if you don't know about his background, we'll make sure to put his link uh, on, the, on the show notes. But you have a background in um, in in the defense forces of the U.S., if I'm not mistaken, right? In the 83rd Civil Affairs Battalion, um, managing the operations. You're also a Strategic Design Innovation Facilitator at U.S. Space Command. And he's the founder and principal of Change Lead Creative Solutions, in which, interestingly enough, today you're going to be presenting something with somebody else who was just on the podcast yesterday. Tell yes. us more about that.
2: Oh, yes. So as part of my job at Space Command, I uh, I, I teach courses with my coworkers uh, to try to introduce military service members to design thinking concepts. Mm-hmm. And about six or seven months ago, Tahira sent me a TED Talk that Paul Rukens uh, had done on thinking outside of the box. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the best talks that I'd ever heard as far as articulating to people who maybe don't get why innovation is important, Mm -hmm. uh, why it is important. Like, why do we need innovation? Why do we need to be challenging our paradigm or our perspective uh, and what we can gain from doing so? And it's a short 10 minute video. So we included it in our lessons and I told Tahira that I loved it and that we, you know, I watched it once and we threw it right into the curriculum and, uh, she offered up a chance for me to work with paul here at imax this year and of course i'm not going to say no because yeah. if you get a chance to meet your heroes you want to do that so yeah. Yeah. Uh, i said yes and he has been very gracious i do feel like i am the supporting actor this uh, this time around and he is he's definitely the main event mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's a real privilege to have been able to work with him and i'm, I'm excited for our session this afternoon i think it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun for
1: everyone that shows up Absolutely. So, yesterday we had Paul Wilkins on our podcast. He's also one of the uh, co-contributors to the Design to Change book, which these conversations are sitting on top of, right? So, the book is about the conversations between event owners and event designers and how those conversations can best work. And in the book, he he illustrates a lot of the, um, uh, let's say, executive perspectives, right? So, how does an executive event owner look at an event as the one that instigates the event in the first place? Um, you do you deliver a lot of training. You've been to a lot of events. And here you are at the second edition for you of IMAX America, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Looking at a year back and setting your horizon of change, we, uh, we do these year plus one podcasts. Do you remember the horizon that we spoke about last year? And how do things look in 2023 for you, Ryan?
2: Well, I think last year... I w- it was sort of like drinking from a fire hose. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the first time that I had been to IMAX. Uh, I had only just kind of d- discovered the events and experiences industry. Mm-hmm. I think the College of Extraordinary Experience was really my first deep dive into what experience design means. Mm-hmm. So I came into IMAX last year fresh off of that experience and with a whole new Perspective on what what might be. Yeah. Uh, although I think maybe I was a little ambitious when I said you know where I wanted to be a year from now, yeah. uh, and what I've learned over the past year of of some successes and then some setbacks is that uh, entering into any new field or any new endeavor is, mm-hmm. is sort of like a spiral. You know, when you first start, you're on that outer ring, and mm-hmm. and you you really want to get to the center, mm-hmm. but you can't just cut across, so you end up. It, you almost make these concentric circles, but every time you come back around, you're a little bit closer to where you wanna be. And I think yeah. that uh, having the opportunity to engage with site at two different events this past year, as mm-hmm. well as uh, doing IMAX again, is sort of me moving forward in that you know concentric circle, closer to where I feel like my sweet spot is within yep. the events and experience industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's helped me dial in a little bit more about what I feel like I can offer, like what my value is as far as uh, an educator, a speaker, and
1: you know, potentially a collaborator, depending on what the project might be. So, yeah, I love that. Um, for those that have read the book, in the end, you'll see a spiral as well as to how we wrote the book. So it's a very cool metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, it started out of very raw conversations that uh, you know, wool and Dennis and I had been having. Paul was involved in those to kind of create synopses of what does that mean for the one that is actually owning the event. <coughs> So it really hits home when you say that spiral, and when when people feel like they're spiraling down or spiraling up, um, they might also be thinking of the hero's journey or the heroine's journey, or you know the you know is it a, is it a perfect circle? Is it an ellipse? I think this is a in very interesting motion, right? That you're talking about. When you think about your roles that you have, you know, um, in for instance, you know, space commands, you know, something that people might wonder what what is that and how does that work, or in the other roles that you have, how how do people engage with you as a designer? What, what do you do? Well, I think it's interesting. The military is
2: not necessarily known for its openness to new ideas or mm-hmm. divergent thinking. So mm-hmm. the approach that we've taken is, is very much uh, a subtle sort of insurgency type of approach. Uh, not to use that word mm-hmm. you know, flippantly, but like we, we sort of build up the design movement you know, under the radar from within. However, for, as a service member, I do have to show up in uniform some days. So when we're doing the courses, I don't do that. I show up. We dress in, you know, suits, and th- I find that that helps. Uh, it's very easy when you can see someone's, you know, rank or their badges or whatever to just kind of put them in a box mm-hmm. and and leave it there. Mm-hmm. When I am devoid of that, and I'm talking about the content that I, I know very well, mm-hmm. you know, they immediately assume that I know what I'm talking about. That I you know have something to offer them even if they're 10 12 years ahead of me in their career progression mm-hmm. and uh, i think it's always been fun when i see them after the classes around the the building uh, and they realize that you know we, oh i didn't realize you were just a just a captain or just mm-hmm. a major or whatever mm-hmm. it it's it's always kind of fun because i think that it helps challenge their perspective a little bit further that yeah. Yeah. you don't have to be a senior ranking military officer to be able to add value at a strategic level yes. uh, and i hope that that you know sticks with them when they get back to their own organizations in the sense that like there is a lot of untapped talent down at the the middle you know ranks which is emergent talent over time yes. right? it's it's just talent at an earlier stage of development mm-hmm. and you can either lean into that mm-hmm. and foster it mm-hmm. or which unfortunately happens more often you can you can sort of push it out mm-hmm. and i find that that has been sort of my experience with the military is that divergent thinking and new ideas uh, the folks that have those typically see the writing on the wall and they, they make a smooth exit right about 6 or 7 years of service right when they're at that cusp mm-hmm. of transitioning mm-hmm. from junior grade to more of a senior grade yeah uh, cuz going forward i mean it just it becomes difficult and the rewards really come for those that toe the line and yeah. fit within the mold yeah so you have to
1: find that balance yeah that's so interesting because you know we've had on this podcast show yesterday Um, Paul, actually, I I titled him and tagged him, which is something I really dislike doing, but I did it back to him. uh, Because quite a few of the people that have gone through our program, the EDC Mastermind program, um, are people that have worked in the corporate environment for a long time and have maybe uh, been in that similar situation, which doesn't have rank and file, you know, in terms of the uniform, but it has it very much so in titles, roles and functions. Uh, and <clears throat> um, being a corporate refugee, as he uh, <laughs> entitles himself, right, um, is, is really an interesting kind of dynamic for people to break free. You know, we're just looking on the right here, so we had Rory and Rob from Encore talking about, you know, breaking free out of the mold of the way of doing things and thinking beyond those boundaries. What are you seeing here at IMAX America? You know, here on day two, the show is about to open. It's twenty to ten. We still don't. You know, it's just the exhibitors on the trade show floor. It's you can feel the tension before the mm-hmm. opening of the doors at ten o'clock. Describe what what's what you're observing here this year. I I said it to her
2: yesterday, but I'll say it now for everyone's benefit. I think mm-hmm. that the energy that I've noticed this year at IMAX is a testament to the amount of work that Tahira and Dean has put in to mm-hmm. the innovation hub and the education piece of it yeah. last year I had a 60 minute you know presentation on creativity specifically how do we you know what is it and how do we cultivate it how yeah. do we tap into the organic creativity that exists within our organizations mm-hmm. and I, it didn't go poorly but I would say that it, across the 60 minutes, I had 15 to 17 people in and out because there's meetings and stuff and people are, you know, some are for the first half, the second half. Mm-hmm. And the engagement level was was very low. They were mm-hmm. much more passive. They weren't as open or willing to, to get fun with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I was a little bit surprised. But uh, this year, coming back in, number one, uh, it's 20% bigger and it feels like it. Uh, this mm-hmm. place is huge. We're wall to wall, it looks like in here this time. and Uh, I had a fireside chat hosted by Encore yesterday with uh, Anthony Vade moderating, Mm -hmm. and it was scheduled over lunch, and they asked me to do it fairly last minute, so I thought, okay, we're filling a time block, no big deal. Mm -hmm. I had fairly low expectations because of the timing and because of my experience last year talking about creativity specifically, Mm -hmm. I thought, all right, we'd be lucky if we get two or three folks to show up. Mm -hmm. I think we had it set for eight people uh, maximum. And I, we had closer to 27 or 28 show up, and we absolutely ran out of time. Uh, the questions they asked were very thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. It showed that there was a lot of hunger and interest for yes. understanding creativity and understanding how they can develop their own creativity and yeah. get more buy-in from their, their leadership to, to try innovative approaches or new processes. And that, to me, was a huge moment uh, and very satisfying moment because I, it was this explosive growth, in my opinion, from last year to this year on just the openness to exploring what creativity is and what it has to offer and how you can build it. So that change in just 12 months is very impressive and I do think that 100% goes back to Tahira's investment in bringing more awareness to the power of creativity
1: within the events industry. Yeah, so I think uh, challenging, how people experience something. It's also challenging you as a faculty member to work with other people, create those opportunities, I think is interesting. Uh, Anthony Vade is actually, you know, our colleague that is at Encore as a certified event designer from the inside, doing a lot of event design using the event canvas methodology. Um, I think, you know, seeing the evolution of both Smart Monday but also what's happening during the show itself and the programming over time, the growth is there, but also maybe the context has changed. You know, last year we were Literally, it was the first year really coming out of uh, COVID, right? So I think that was a, you know, the post-apocalyptic ap- apocalyptic shockwave of what COVID did to humanity, right? And, and putting human nature back on the schedule for people to connect was, a, was an interesting time last year, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and this year, it feels like we've gone through a full cycle of business that has evolved, you know, um, the world is in still a distressed state at large, right? And, oh, yeah. and there's more need for human nature than ever. How would, you, um, how would you relate it to what you're going to be doing today at three o'clock in the session with Paul? Well,
2: I think that,
1: how do, I'm going to say this as gently
2: as I can. I, I don't think COVID was a good thing. Mm-hmm. It certainly wasn't. Yeah. But I think like any traumatic event or any stressful change or challenging time, in the moment it's awful. Uh, but when you look back on what the potential upsides are, to maybe hearken back to uh, the keynote speech yesterday morning, you know, when you go through those hard times, you know, you can you can either be subdued by them or you can grow from them, and you can yeah. you can find the you know the blessing within it. Mm-hmm. I think is how he put it. Mm-hmm. And when I look at the blessing within COVID, and I look at IMEX last year through the context that you're presenting it as, I think mm-hmm. that there was this rush for us to return to normal, and so we, you know put IMEX together to the way we always had to try to do the things that we've always done but now that we've gone through that year of business and we've seen how the world has reached a new homeostasis I think that we can maybe look back and say we've got to stop trying to return to normal and say what is normal and redefine normal and I think that's the undercurrent of this time around is people have learned like the ways we were doing it may not necessarily be the ways we're going to be keep doing it and uh, I think that's evident in the way that a lot of the exhibitors have different interactive elements. We have Google here this year. We're talking about, you know, how to reach totally different types of people and types of markets. You know, I really love the neurodiversity thing as someone who uh, is neurodiverse myself and has neurodiverse children. Like, yep. it's it's huge to see that shift, yes. and I think that COVID, while being terrible, was a catalyst. It really did force us to challenge. Assumptions. Yeah. So today's talk with Paul, um, I don't want to ruin everything. It's uh, but it's okay. This, this will come out <laughs> oh, tomorrow true. morning. Okay. So uh,
1: by the time you hear this, it will have been at least eight well, hours ago.
2: <laughs> and Paul's talking, talking about several different elements. I think all of them are within his book as well, which is a great read and it's a very fast read. And I've, I've gotten a lot of value out of it myself, mm-hmm. just as I am not a corporate person and yeah. I'm trying to be. Uh, so that book was a great resource. Mm-hmm. But he's going to be talking a lot about our, our biases and like kind of how we approach things with our industry experience and with our backgrounds and how that flavors our perceptions. And yeah. and when we try to just go the, through the motions and, and get to things done as fast as we can or as quickly as we can, sometimes we miss the bigger picture. And so we're going to help people identify what their industry box is, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of show them just how limited their frame might be and then give them some techniques for, expanding that frame, you know, maybe you breaking it all together, yeah. shifting into a new perspective and also focusing on the things that are really most valuable for them yeah. and then delegating or offloading the things that are not, that might be taking them away from what they could be achieving. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the big tie in. And I think if people can connect that back to COVID uh, and look at how our box was forced to be changed, yeah. uh, they can see that this is not just pie in the sky content and it's, it's a very real psychological uh, perspective and supported by organizational psychology so I, I do hope that it, it lands well and
1: that folks really see the potential that they, ha- they have you know, after that. Yeah. Now let's pretend people are not because not everyone that's on this podcast had the opportunity to be there by the time they hear it it will be already in the past. Um, <clears throat> if they would want to uh, experience swallowing that frog mm which is a metaphor that uh, I know you will be using and by the time people hear that you have used it. um, Those are our masterminds that have been on this podcast uh, also before. that were part of writing the Design to Change book. They've all swallowed frogs and they all have their frogs sitting at home looking at them every day Mm -hmm. on their desks. How will the frog play a role in what you're going to do this afternoon? I think... uh I'm not
2: 100% sure how Paul is going to deliver the call to action today. Um, I know he's going to do it, uh, yeah. but I'm sure he will develop that right up to the moment that he says it uh, yeah. based on the audience's energy and everything. Yeah. But I think the big thing is we're going to be asking them to sort of ex- examine you know, what is their fraud? What is that thing that's maybe defined by that industry box or their perception of what their standards and norms might be? that. Mm-hmm is potentially holding them back from maximizing their true potential just this week at IMAX. Okay. And we're going to ask them at the end uh, to just kind of write down the frog that they're going to swallow right then and there uh, on a note card. Yeah. Uh, they're going to swallow that frog so that they can make the most out of the remaining time at IMAX and really you know, achieve something that perhaps they thought was impossible or yeah. uh, too far-fetched or just beyond their reach. Uh, they'll trade that card in. They'll get a chocolate frog. They can eat it right there. And then Paul has some uh, plastic frogs to give out, so they take that with them. And you know, daily they can see that and go, "Okay, what is today's frog? What am I going to eat? Yeah. What is standing between me and you know, finding that three percent difference that is the razor's edge that sets me apart from my coworkers, my competitors,
1: yeah, yeah. what have you? The razor's edge. I like that. Yep. What's 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 your frog for today? And what's your frog for next year? Hmm. Probably should have
2: thought about that one. Good ball. <laughs> I think my frog for today is accepting that I don't have to know everything. Uh, I'm working with someone that has a completely different approach to some of the same concepts that I do, uh, and I need to lean into the value that I do bring. I, I have, you know completed my degree and my thesis on on a particular topic, I'm very well versed in creativity and change leadership, but I'm not an organizational psychologist and I don't Mm -hmm. have to be. Mm -hmm. So if I can't 100% uh, deliver and teach the content that Paul is providing, that's Mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. We're working together, not because we both know the same things, but because we both bring different value to the conversation. And so my goal is to just embrace fully the the value that I do bring and strategically quit and offload the value that Paul brings to
1: him and let him do that. That's his thing. Uh, Strategic quitting is one of those other things that, you know, we focus on a lot and it sounds so easy, but strategic quitting is one of the hardest things, right? I've been practicing it for the last five years and it's hard. You have to keep reminding yourself what to strategically quit. Yep. And actually, Paul's going to be giving uh, the attendees
2: today some, you know, a couple of quick tangible action steps they can take to start strategically
1: quitting mm-hmm. right now yeah, and yeah. that's kind of part of our frog segue I think, yeah, so yeah. and then year plus one so last year you set the horizon for this year here we are with the reminder conversation mm-hmm. right one year later they are a bit confrontational because you could actually listen back to last years and the same thing could happen next year yeah. what what's on your horizons change for well
2: 2024? I'm gonna call it 2025, 2025. Unfortunately, so I am still a full-time member of the military and Change Lead is my passion project mm-hmm. that hopefully someday will be my main, my main project. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for now, it's my, it's my outlet, it's my avenue to, you know, keep working in the creativity industry uh, until such time that I build it up yeah. fully. Yeah. However, due to the military service nature, there are things beyond my control. Uh, and one of those things is a, a deployment. So I'll actually be deploying this next year and I'll be overseas for nine months. Wow. So I will not be able to attend IMX, uh next October, mm-hmm. uh, and at first I was definitely bummed because I'm finally getting some traction. I felt I finally entered like the next concentric spiral in my mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. journey, yeah. uh, and it felt like this was a huge deviation. Uh, but as I sat and reflected on it, uh, I looked at okay, I can't control that, but I, what can I control? Yeah. And I'm going to take the opportunity while I'm gone. I, it's long hours, but it's also a lot of boredom. I think anybody who's ever deployed or done a military service knows that it's 12 hours of hard work, but then it's 12 hours of a lot of nothing. Yeah. And I'm going to take advantage of that time and focus on the parts of the business development that I have neglected over okay. the last year. Yeah. Um, content creation, you know, expanding the website, starting up the, the blog, all of those little things that I know I need to be doing, but I just haven't had as much time as I wanted to do it. That's what that's, I'm going to do in that nine months, I'm going to start setting conditions so that when I return, uh, I can just jump right in. So that's, that's my horizon for the next year. And then by IMAX 2025, I really hope to have polished up, I think my content delivery, my, you know, value proposition message and, and the mechanisms for folks to engage with me after. Yeah. Right now, that's, that's still lacking, so I'm, I'm very, very dependent on LinkedIn yeah. Uh, yeah. for follow-on business, yeah. and I'd yeah. like to get to a point where it's a little more professionalized than that. That's so. awesome.
1: I think it's a really clear horizon of change. You know, there's a nine-month window that, maybe uh, because of the role you're in, uh, is being mandated to you, right? And it's something that you are planning into your timeline. Um, as you said, you have 12 busy hours, 12 hours in which you have time to think and activate. I like how you almost frame those different, you know, parts of your next two years, because by timing out the time that you have, um, you're able to create the progress and make it visible. Right? So thanks, uh, Ryan, for being, uh, again, a host, uh, or, uh, you know, being hosted here on the podcast and also engaging with Paul and, and, and you know, having these conversations, that's really cool to hear. Um, one of the wishes I would have for you in the next two years is to see if you could become a certified event designer, be part of the community that is uh, embracing the way we can think and open the box together. I do plan to be taking the
2: course in January in San
1: Diego, so I'm very excited awesome. about that. I've been an advocate for years and I figured, you know what, I've got to put my money where my mouth is and <laughs> just go do it, you know. Awesome. Well, we look forward to welcoming you to San Diego at SESU. It's, it was where the program was born originally, eight years ago. Uh, as a matter of fact, the stand right next door um, is is represented uh, is the SSU stand, and uh, Carl Winston, who we very much appreciate, that gave us his opportunity to launch the program. Um, you know. All the people that are at the roots of the connections, like Tahira, like the College of Expert Experience, like SESU, somehow they all merge yeah. and come together at some point in time. I think that's
2: what helped me with the concentric circle thing. Is like yeah. I feel like the more I'm exposed to it, the longer I'm here, the tighter that circle gets. You yeah. know? Like yeah. just even, I had no idea that Paul and you knew each other so well, and that he had worked with yeah. Event Design Collective as extensively, and yeah. you know, I thought yeah. that was very serendipitous. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and actually, a role um, Paul and myself were actually born literally probably about 10 kilometers from each other uh, near Maastricht in the nice. Netherlands. Cool. We never knew that from each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, our logo also has concentric circles, as you can see, it's an imperfect circle. It represents maybe the spiral that you're talking about. Absolutely. So, and yesterday when I was being tagged, I redid the O as the hello, um, which you know, serendipitously, the spiraling is something that you can spiral inward or outward, it's a choice you make. We tend to spiral and focus strategically. Quit the things we no longer want to be doing, and I really appreciate the way that you're open about sharing your story, the way that you've involved with a completely new industry, um, the deployment that you're on is something that you know I think is is very time framed, and uh, I think it's uh, amazing to hear back. We'd love to have you back on the podcast when you're back from that and then listen to The Rising of Change then. Absolutely.
2: Well, thank you again. and It is an honor, and I love working with you guys, and I'm looking forward to
1: January. Awesome. Thank you, Ryan.
0: A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. For now, let's start the conversation.